Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. All right. Well, Faith, thank you so much for taking this kind of time to come out here and talk with us. I'm very excited for this. Um, why don't you get started? Just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into this space, what a little bit what your journey's been like. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we made it happen. I know we're like kind of across the globe. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, the power of technology. No, I'm super excited to share. Um, I love talking about um, regulating for healing and just empowering people with that knowledge. So um, my brand, as people like know me, is that healing feeling. That's like my handle across social media. Um, but my name is Faith and I am the founder of that healing feeling and the company was really born out of, um, my experience with chronic illness. So, you know, we, obviously we can kind of like dive into it, but, um, like just in a kind of nutshell, really like I, um, was sick for 10 years with a series of chronic illnesses and healed through nervous system regulation. So, um, I then like furthered my study, studies and created that healing feeling. And now I help other people do the same thing. And I love talking about it and it just lights me up. Awesome. Yeah, that's something that's been super interesting to me for a while. Um, I got a little bit into the epigenetics rabbit hole last year for a while. Um, but yeah, no. So what, what does that look like? Like, what kind of practices do you have? Like, what what is the go to for you when people come to you and they're they're having some sort of issue like that? So people who work with me um, have been sick with chronic symptoms for six months or longer. And um it's interesting because when we talk about pain, you know, it's very, it looks different in the brain when it's acute. So meaning like if you stub your toe or, you know, like, um, get a splinter or whatever, like something really fast and small that like it's quick and then the pain goes away. So that's an acute situation. And then we have chronic, um, which I put the number six months or longer, but you know, that's just for my programs. Um, but what happens in the brain, because the brain is highly efficient is when you experience pain over and over and over and over again, the pain essentially memorizes a pathway, a pain pathway and says, well, you know, if we're just going to keep experiencing this, I don't want to like work so hard to send that signal. So every time we're triggered by a familiar trigger, we're just going to send the sensation of pain, regardless of what's going on in the body. So you see all these people like trying to heal their bodies and like, you know, seeing other people healing and saying, well, I'm doing the same thing. I'm accessing these modalities, but I'm still suffering from not just pain, but any type of chronic symptom. Um, there's, you know, such a laundry list of symptoms that people suffer from. And um, the pathways are really strong the longer you deal with chronic pain. So I have some people who've been um, suffering from chronic sensations, unwanted sensations, if you will, for like 40 years, some people six months, some people five years, you know, just like depend and think about it like a muscle. So when you go to the gym, um, you know, things, when you first start like lifting weights, let's say it's really difficult, but like in time, you're like, this is actually like really, really easy. And then quite automatic. Like you don't even have to think about 
utilizing those muscles anymore. And the more you do it, the stronger you get. And that's how these um, pathways are in our brain. Like the more we utilize those pathways, the stronger they become, the more automatic they become. And so people are really struggling with pain and unwanted sensations because this is what's happening in the brain. And not many people are talking about this relationship, like the mind and the body are one. And so when we're dealing with chronic illness, we can't just be looking at the body in isolation and saying, hmm, you're broken because this treatment isn't working for you. We need to be looking at, okay, what's going on up here? Because these two are completely interlinked, right? Um, so that's where I come in and I say, okay, let's take this lens and talk about what's actually going on, what messages are being sent um, to the body and how can we interrupt that cycle to turn down the volume on those sensations that you're experiencing. Okay, that's super interesting. So you're, it, it sounds like a little bit like the pain is a habit almost like it's something that you get stuck in, even if you're treating the symptoms of what's wrong with you, or even the underlying cause, your brain might still be stuck in that same place. Yeah, it is. It is. It is like a habit, if you will, like, um, it's just completely automatic. So yeah, you're just stuck in that, that sensation. And you know, the brain is so highly efficient. It's like always trying to automate things so that it can like clear up space to think about something else and learn something else. And so when you have this sensation over and over again, it's like, well, if this is going to keep happening like 10 times a day, I don't want to have to think about sending this signal, right? I just want this to become an automated signal. So every time you see this food, for example, we're going to bloat because we know that this food is danger. It's in that category. So no matter what's going on, we're going to send pain or we're going to send bloat. You know, I call it pain, but again, like a sensation that's like undesirable to the intestines, whatever. Um, And so then it's like this person is like doing all this stuff to heal their gut. And then they're like, my labs are coming back great. I'm doing all these tests and there's no like bacteria or fungus or, you know, I guess I would say like excess fungus or excess bacteria, whatever. Um, and they're like, well, why am I still having these symptoms? And that's exactly what's happening. Like your brain has become so efficient at sending that signal um, in response to a series of triggers that regardless of what you've done, you might not be able to realize or reap the benefits of your healing because of the efficiency and the sort of like automation of these um, trigger response pathways that have formed in the brain. Okay. Yeah. The, once something gets into the unconscious, it's very difficult to root it out because I mean, one, we're not really aware that it's going on. And two, I mean, it's, it's directly linked to the body. So any signal that it's sending out is going to get there before we're consciously aware of it. So I was having an issue with that where I had some digestive issues going on for a couple of years. It was a, a lot of pain just constantly. And it turned out it was just stress. It was just the fact that like every time like a stressful thought popped in my head, it would send this like huge signal of like adrenaline and everything to my like to my, into my body and like I would just feel it in my gut and like I didn't understand that this is me reacting to something that I think is a danger that's really not and it was just flooding my system with mm. all this like these stress hormones and I was like once I started to identify that and like work through like just breathing through it becoming aware of it like not letting myself get sucked into it it started like you know all that pain disappeared pretty quickly um so yeah, yeah. that's that's very that's very interesting um, how do you how do you go about because I mean I think I probably went about retraining myself in a very inefficient way. <laughs> how do you usually take people through that process? Well, I mean, you know, clearly you were quite efficient at it because it is quite difficult, like you said, um, our subconscious is like 95% of what we do. And so 
everything is kind of being stored there, like our beliefs, our perceptions about reality, perceptions of danger, um, of safety, um, values, habits, all those things are stored in our subconscious mind. And so we're like kind of living on autopilot, like throughout our entire life, you know, and it's including these sensations and our perceptions of danger and safety. So kind of like you said, the subconscious mind is informing the nervous system on whether or not um, this environment or situation is safe or dangerous. And that's kind of the language of the nervous system. Like, is it safe or is it dangerous? And if the subconscious believes, right? So we have these beliefs that maybe this food is dangerous or this um, trigger or whatever it is, like causes pain. If it believes that this is dangerous, it's going to send that signal to the nervous system and the nervous system is going to go into a survival response. So kind of like what you said, you're going to get like adrenaline and cortisol. It's going to shut down all non-essential functions. So um, you do see stomach is like the common area for like anxiety um, in the more immediate way, but in a prolonged way, digestion shuts down because it's a non-essential function. Um, the logic centers of the brain shut down. Um, there's a whole cascade effect of what happens. And so at the very core of the work of what we're doing it is bringing the subconscious to the conscious. So like Let's become aware of what you believe about your environment, about your capacity for healing, um, about your body's capacity to serve you. Like, do you believe that your body's working for you or against you? Because so many people with, for example, autoimmune disease are told that their body is fighting itself. How can you heal in a body that you believe is a, is fighting you, right? Like, so your beliefs are sending these messages of danger constantly to the nervous system and keeping the brain and the whole cascade stuck in this cycle. So it's kind of like a two-part thing. It's like, one, what's living in the subconscious? What do you believe to be true about your abilities to heal, about your environment, all of this stuff? And like, that is very deep-rooted because you go on TikTok, you go on Instagram and you scroll and you see someone say, did you hear this is toxic or did you hear <laughs> this causes inflammation? Boom. If you're susceptible to that and susceptibility um, from like a hypnotherapist standpoint, like it does have a range, but if you're susceptible to that, which you are more likely to be, if you are fearful, um, it's going to like have an impact on your body and your nervous system. It's like when you read WebMD and you think, oh my God, I have those symptoms, you know? <laughs> Um, so yeah. there's a reason why these things are happening. So it is like this two-pronged approach of like, okay, let's dive into the subconscious, like where your beliefs are, where your perception is of yourself, your body, your environment, your abilities. And then there's the brain training part, which really only works if the subconscious is um, receptive to the work. So a lot of people will say, I've done brain training programs and they didn't work. And it's because perhaps you're doing these brain training exercises, but yet your beliefs are that your body can't heal or your beliefs is that your body is fighting itself. And so like at the end of the day, you're still sending signals to the nervous system that it is not safe to heal. And so I think that's where a lot of people like miss the mark when they try brain training, which are super simple, like exercises, like mental imagery and swapping words and stuff like that. And they think, why does it not work for me? And it's like, because you're missing this component, which is this communication with your nervous system, which controls your ability to heal. Hmm, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. One of the big things that I picked up when I was doing hypnotherapy myself was that you're the state, the state that you have to be in, that you have to put somebody in to, to go into trance is basically the same state that people get into when they're scrolling on TikTok or scrolling through mm -hmm. Instagram, because they're just relaxed and they start to kind of come down to this place. And it's like, if you're not really paying attention to what you're looking at, you know, even the stuff that you don't spend much time with, that you don't interact with, like it still affects you. And so when you have all this 
garbage of like, oh, well, you know, doom and gloom news stuff. And there's like, oh, the, there's this disease spreading and there's this, this stuff happening to people and blah, blah, blah. It's like that starts to get to you. And because you're not like filtering it out, like even if you just kind of look at it for, you know, just a couple seconds. And, you know, like exactly like you said, those those beliefs are so deeply rooted because I don't think that people really take the time to question why they think what they think, let alone like what they actually even believe on a, on a deep level. Um, and if there's one thing I can impress to anybody is that we say unconscious, not because it's like sneaky and doing stuff like uh, in, in the background, like it's completely unconscious. We, we can't see it most of the time. The only way that we can really get to that is to see the effects and to see, okay, I have this particular pattern. I have this particular thing that I keep doing over and over again. And I don't understand why it doesn't really line up with what I believe. And you have to look at that and understand, no, that on some level, your brain does believe that that is the best solution to something. So let's start to dig into that a little bit. And I do a lot of the like the more of the spiritual stuff, like meditation and everything. Like, let's start to follow those thoughts and allow like to get the, the conscious thinking mind out of the way to let that stuff come up because it's going to communicate with you in these weird images and these symbols and these memories and feelings and whatever else. But once you get to that point, yeah, like it's it's very it's, it's it's weird sometimes. But once you get to that point, is when you can start to kind of get in tune with the 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 mechanics of what's going on underneath because it's making its own decisions. Um, and just like you said, like you, if you don't get down to that point and you don't understand, I actually don't believe I can heal, or I actually believe that this is a you know life altering illness, I can't do anything about it, or I have to be stuck in this until you start to root that stuff out. You're, you're kind of stuck, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, um, how long have you been doing this? You said it's been like 10 years for you. Well, I was sick for 10 years and then, um, I started like doing this work with myself in 2018. So basically like I had tried, I feel like every type of it's like everything I probably not everything in the world, but what felt like everything in the world, um, <laughs> to heal. And then, um, I kind of like hit a wall where like people were like, Oh, well, there's nothing we can do. And like, this is just like life. And when I, when I came into the functional medicine space, that was definitely the most like prior to this work, like the most beneficial, beneficial thing for me, because it was then where I really learned like, okay, there obviously is a reason why I have these symptoms. It's not just a diagnosis, but like there was some sort of point of inception, some sort of insult to homeostasis. So I was able to kind of um, restore the integrity of my gut and detox and lower inflammation in the body and all this good stuff. And that was really groundbreaking for me. But what I realized was like, I was still dancing around a lot of food sensitivities. I was still really sensitive to like um, fragrances and like, I don't know, I just kind of had to have this like perfect scenario in order to feel good, but I could still feel good. But it was like, I had to take these 15 supplements and eat this exact diet and, you know, and do all this stuff. And I, I had this like come to Jesus moment where I was like, that doesn't feel like I'm fully healed. Like, I don't feel like I'm living in freedom. And so, um, I learned about neuroplasticity and how our brains can change, you know, at any point in our lives, not just like when we're little, like we used to think. And when we're children, you know, at any age, you can literally change the physical structure of your brain. Um, so you aren't like doomed to your past and your experiences or traumas or whatever. Um, so I started kind of using, this knowledge and my background um, is in neuroscience and psychology. So I already had like an open mind to this. And while I had worked in the corporate world before I had to leave for work, like um, I obviously like just 
had studied it. And obviously we didn't know very much. I say back when I was in school, you know, but we, we didn't have like this knowledge then. Um, but I had some sort of baseline understanding. And so I started studying it and I applied it to uh, my gluten and dairy intolerance, mm. um, which worked for me in 48 hours. And, and oh, wow. I was like, Oh my God, you know, and granted, I always preface it with like, I did do the other work. And so like, I'm by no means suggesting that like someone should just be like, okay, well, I'm just going to think differently. And like tomorrow I'm going to like eat gluten and see what happens. Like <laughs> I obviously did use like functional medicine to heal my gut, but this is where I come in. Like people have done this other work and they're still experiencing symptoms. And that's who I was. Like I felt okay as long as I didn't eat these things or do these things. And so I did some brain training, whatever it works for me. So I thought, Oh my God, like I'm really on to something. So I went to study to become a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, a hypnotherapist, a trauma-informed coach. And then I became a master NLP practitioner. And I really started to apply this knowledge to myself and I fully healed like every symptom, every sort of like thing I was dancing around, like this hypervigilance I still felt inside. Um, and just like created a very deep sense of safety within myself. And so of course I didn't want to go back to corporate America. Um, and so I started that healing feeling. And initially it was just to share my journey of healing, like, because I was out of work because I was so sick. So I was like, like I'm just going to like share on social media because like, I've got nothing else to do. And it's a creative outlet. And then I realized there were so many people who were struggling who were in the exact same boat, who did access like an integrative type of medicine, whether it be like a naturopath or sort of a little, you know, something Eastern dipping in Western or just functional medicine in and of itself, but they still had these issues. Um, so it's been about five years now since I kind of like really started taking it seriously. And then obviously I um, created my my curriculum, which in the past like two and a half years has like really taken off. And again, like there's just like such a need for it. Um, and I think people really love this sense of empowerment. Like for the first time, I'm stepping into something that's going to empower me instead of say like, I have a solution outside of you. And it feels really good to feel empowered. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been really amazing the way that it's like all panned out. That's awesome. Yeah, I think what you're saying about, I, I think that people ha are, are a little bit too quick to give up their power um, when it comes mm -hmm. down to like, I, I got this diagnosis or somebody told me that I'm going to have to live life this way. I have whatever health issue, mental health issue. Um, and it's just the way that it is. And one thing that I try to do, is, and I'm, I'm not an expert on this by any stretch of the imagination, but I try to at least point out, like, there's a lot of different things that you could do. And I don't know all of them, but here's some ideas. Here's like, because you know, you can look into like what kind of environmental factors are affecting you, what kind of like what you're talking about, like, you know, maybe your body is trying to heal, but there's something that your your brain is working against it a little bit. Um, like you talked about the what the the smells, the um like incense and stuff like that. I remember when I found out that incense is like not so great for you. I was like, oh, <laughs> can I not have anything nice? Um, like the food, <laughs> like really, yeah, like I mean, I, I spent most of the last two years like narrowing down what I was would allow myself to eat because it's like all the stuff like the, the processed stuff the even even meat like you have so many hormones in it and all the steroids and everything and it's like it I can't tell you how much better I feel though after doing all that because it's like it's it's subtle but it, it'll mess with your your head in weird ways it messes with your health in weird ways um I want to dig into the NLP a little bit though um just for anybody who's who's not entirely sure what that is, we do talk about it on here sometimes. I have a little, some basic training in it, um, but I'd like to hear your take on it just because you're, you're the master practitioner. 
Well, <laughs> I mean, I use it in a very specific way, of course, um, yeah. because there are lots of different people using NLP. Like you can even use it in a business setting. Um, and that happens a lot. Um, you can use it in like a self-help, just like, I don't know why I like push yourself in life, you know? Um, but obviously I used it in a very specific um, chronic illness kind of umbrella type of way. But neurolinguistic programming is just really understanding and um, the mind and specifically the relationship between the subconscious and the conscious and strengthening the relationship between the subconscious and the conscious. So kind of how we were talking about earlier, like, you know, so much of what you're doing every day is not conscious. And we are on autopilot because we're highly efficient beings. And so if we can automate something, it's going to be automated. And so um, whether we realize it or not, every single thought, every single action is on autopilot. Um, well, 95-ish, they say, you know, percent of it um, until we challenge that. And the best way to challenge that is to bring the subconscious to the conscious mind. And when you can make what's subconscious conscious, you can change it. So NLP, like I would say from like my experience is working on that strengthening, working in and, and really um, in doing so, you strengthen your relationship with your body because the subconscious is sending those messages down to the body saying, like we said, like, hey, are you safe? Or, hey, you are safe. Or, hey, this is dangerous. And it's trying to protect us. And if you think about it, like your conscious mind is the captain of the ship and the subconscious mind is the crew. And so whenever your conscious mind thinks something as the captain of the ship, the subconscious is going to obey. And so we have to be really careful because even if we think, oh, I'm just having like this narrative in my head or like, it's just a what if, the subconscious doesn't know that. It doesn't know if it's real or if it's a thought. And most people don't understand that, that like to your subconscious, everything is real. Everything is real. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you're replaying scenarios in your head, like we all do this, you know, oh, this conversation, I could have said this, or I could have said this. And I wish I would have said, you know, this is happening like to your body and your mind all at once in its reality. When you are thinking these things, we spent 48% of our time in our thinking mind. So about half of our life is just what we want it to be, right? Because if 48% of our time is in our conscious mind and our thinking mind, and that mind is sending thoughts to the subconscious, we can create the reality we want by controlling this relationship, by controlling how we steer the subconscious and ultimately controlling the messages we send to the body. And that's what NLP is. It's, it is really almost seemingly simple ways to do this, to become aware, but it is becoming aware. And I do really think it is like stepping into your power because when you can strengthen that relationship, then you get to decide, right? You get to say, actually, I'm going to have this thought and send this message and you can feel it in the body and you increase that relationship and you kind of bring um, everything together, subconscious, conscious, unconscious, all of it into one and kind of become like a healed self. Um, it's really interesting work. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It's, it's, I think that the integration that you're talking about is probably the best way I've heard it described. And one, one thing that I caution people a lot too, is like, you're absolutely right. Like the, the unconscious is a force of nature. It's very powerful, but it's also listening to you constantly. It's not going to just go do something for no reason. It's always taking that advice from what you decide to send towards it. And so when we, when we allow ourselves to get caught up in these negative spirals of thinking and say, oh, well, like, you know, like you, you get a bad health diagnosis, for example, just keep with this example. And, um, 
you know, you're naturally going to have some some negative feelings come up. You're going to have some negative emotions that come out of that. You're going to start to, you know, forecast the future. You're going to start to imagine like, okay, well, you know, this means that I'm going to have this type of life altering decisions to make. I'm going to have to, you know, I'm not going to be able to do the stuff I wanted to do. I'm going to feel in a negative way. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be able to experience life. And you start to, to obsess over all this stuff. And it's like, as you're obsessing over it, the unconscious doesn't know that this is not actually happening yet. It thinks that it's happening because it can't distinguish between your reality and what's going on in your head. So it starts to send those, those signals of um, danger and uh, unwellness and unease towards your body and you react chemically. Like you have that physical experience of being stressed out, being in a, in a bad state of health and it, nothing's even happened yet. You know, and then you like you, you start to hype that up with emotion, and that's the language the that the unconscious communicates with. So now you're really like teaching it, like this is how we are, and I, yeah, I can see how you get stuck with that for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a it's an interesting rabbit hole to go down for sure because I mean, you, <laughs> yeah, you can, yeah, definitely, yeah. The um. I always tell people too, like whenever you get bad news, like it's important not to sit there and ruminate on it for too much. Cause like I, I, I probably spent more time than I should have when I was a little bit younger, you know, laying in bed, like trying to go to sleep at night, thinking about all the things that had gone wrong or could go wrong. It's like, well, you're teaching yourself to that. That's your reality. You're teaching your body that this is the state that you live in. This is where you, you want to be. And that's yeah. very destructive. Well, and you're, you know, every time, not you, but one, um, is thinking about like, you can say me, it's okay. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like anyone like me, like everybody yeah, yeah. does this, this is, you know, the thinking mind, like it's job is to problem solve and predict the future. So it's like, and to plan. So mix those things together. And that is what's going to happen unless we become aware of how the mind works. Like, and I think that's like the other lens to take on it as well, though, because people will hear this and they'll be like, Oh my God, like, like I'm doomed. Like if this is the case, you know, I'm always like scared, but I think like to remember, like we have these functions to survive. Like these functions kept us alive. Like when we evolved into, to have this neocortex this part of our brain that can do these like complicated concentrated functions, it helped us survive by allowing us to think of the worst case scenario, because then we'd say, Ooh, I shouldn't leave my, or, you know, we hear a, a bear outside the cave and we say, Oh, it's a bear. I'm going to stay inside the cave and protect my family. And because we thought it was the worst case scenario, we survived. And this continued to happen for generations and generations and generations. Fast forward to now, we are descended from survivors because of this function of being able to project the worst case scenario and being able to plan. And we mix those things together in the modern world. And we're constantly ruminating, trying to problem solve, trying to plan, trying to think of the worst case scenario, because that is the function of this, this evolved thinking mind. So um, people get to war with themselves. And I see it with my clients all the time because they're like, oh, it's so annoying. Like, I can't stop obsessing about it. And it's like, hey, remember, like, this is your friends. Like, everything is working for you. Everything is trying to help you. Um, and in doing this work, you're evolving your brain because you're saying, okay, I know this is the function of my primitive ancestors. Like, you've done this to help me survive, but I don't need this anymore. So I'm going to teach my brain um, or teach this, you know, part of the brain to um, differentiate between what's a real threat and what, what is um, sort of a instinct. 
and respond in internally differently to these two different scenarios. And then you start to be able to distinguish, to separate yourself from the thoughts um, and have a lot of grace with yourself as well. So that like when this is happening, it doesn't actually like, in increase adrenaline and cortisol because you're like, oh my God, how annoying. You know, you're like, <laughs> okay, I understand why this is happening. Um, and I recognize that I am not my thoughts and I'm taking a step back and taking a breath and, you know, getting back in alignment. And I think um, it's that, you know, like we're human. It's always going to constantly be, um, I recognize it. I take a step back. I recognize it. I take a step back because this is like how we are. Like while we're in this dimension, we can't escape the thinking mind and it does a lot for us. So it is totally a, okay, I have an appreciation for why this is happening, but also realize this is not me. These thoughts are not real. And I can take a step back from that and stop this like cascade effect of like spiraling thoughts. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, you're absolutely right. The it's, it's all, it's all meant for us. It's not like the brain's working against us. The body's working against us. It's there for a reason and it's there for a very good reason. And I, mean, I think that understanding it a little bit better, like getting into kind of the evolutionary psychology side of things can definitely help bring a little bit of sense of like, okay, like I, I get it now. Like this makes sense. Um, my body's not like this psychotic, crazy thing that's all over the place. It's, it's just, it's not functioning in the environment that it was meant for. And it, it's weird. And so it's like, Back in the day, that that noise, like you said, could have been a bear, it could have been a cheetah, it could have been something. It's like now that noise is probably your cat or the, you know the branches outside. It's probably not going to get you. And more often than that, it's not even the like the, the potential physical stuff. It's the idea of a future event that may or may not come to yeah. pass, something that may or may not affect us. And that's where we really kind of mess ourselves up because we're we we focus on something that that could happen and our our body's trying to tell us yes that's dangerous don't do it let's get away from that and it's just that makes us lock into it even more because it wants to protect us from it and it doesn't understand that it's not inside of, or that it's not inside of us or that it is inside of us not outside um i'm curious do you do any kind of like um like mindfulness awareness meditation practices or is there any preference that you have definitely um so i mean it's I do a lot, like a kind of an amalgamation of, of techniques with my clients, yeah. but some of the things that I have my clients do um, is capitalize on different brain waves to increase this communication where there's subconscious. And specifically, we focus a lot on the theta state, which is basically that kind of like half awake, half asleep. Like when you, like, let's say you first wake up in the morning um, and people on TikTok seem to be interested in this because whenever I talk about it on TikTok, it like goes viral. People are like, what? Um, but it's like, oh my gosh, like if only I could tell you all the other amazing things we can do when we have this information. Um, but yeah, so like one of the things that we do is capitalize on that state, for example. Um, and this is kind of a time where you're in a flow um, and you learn really easily. You're speaking directly to the subconscious, kind of like those barriers of the cognitive, the, the conscious mind are like down a little bit, because like, if you think about it, you're still really tired. Um, and so like, you don't feel fully awake when you wake up. And that's kind of an indication of, if you will, in a very simple way, like what's going on inside. And so that's a really beautiful time to either like speak words of affirmation or listen to a meditation. I personally like to use it for affirmations and visualization. Um, affirmations are really effective because um, this will help you a lot with your beliefs. So especially if you're someone who is dealing with a chronic sensation, like affirmations of safety are really useful because 
when you're in this chronic way of any kind, whether it's like physical pain or emotional or mental, you know, like you don't feel safe. Like that's at the crux of what's going on. Because if you felt safe, you would be free of suffering. And so at the crux of it, to give yourself affirmations of safety, like would be a beautiful, wonderful thing to do during that time. So obviously we kind of like dive into different ways to personalize affirmations and visualizations, um, capitalizing on different brainwaves. But this is like a really simple suggestion. I am safe or it is safe to heal. Um, and um, visualizations are really great too because what happens when you visualize something is like we said, our brain doesn't know the difference between what's happening and what we're imagining. So if we visualize our day, for example, how we want it to play out, our brain actually thinks like that is what happened. Like we did these things without pain or we did these things without anxiety. Like that was great. And what happens is the brain is an evidence collecting machine. So basically when you have enough evidence to support a belief, it comes to become solidified. So internal evidence, meaning evidence in your life is going to be more compelling than evidence in someone else's life. If I see someone else heal on TikTok, that's cool. That sparks my interest. But if I have some, even the smallest bit of evidence of healing myself, that will accelerate the process that will solidify the belief in a much more impactful way. So when you visualize your day happening the way that you like want it to happen, let's say you're focusing on healing and safety and like you, do, you aren't triggered in the face of a trigger, blah, blah, blah. Every time you're doing that, you're communicating to the nervous system that these things are actually happening safely. And you're building up that evidence that like you can do these things. And so not only is it going to solidify that belief, which impacts your nervous system, um, but also your brain deletes, distorts, and generalizes anything that's not in alignment with your beliefs. So if you believe this, you'll start to actually look for evidence of this throughout the day, right? Like it's going to shift everything it has a massive cascade effect beyond um the simple like visualize your highest self like yeah i'm all for it let's do it i think it's actually a brilliant idea but like some people want to understand like but why am i doing this because it's boring you know and so i like to really like dig into the like okay you know i'm a mom of two babies i own a business like i'm a wife i'm like whatever i have like other things i do too and i have time for it you know because i know how important it is even if it's one minute and so these are like really simple things. Mindfulness, I think is so important. If you can focus on your breath, you can literally conquer anything because breath is the most boring thing in the world. So if you can sit there and focus on your <laughs> breath, you, you really like then in any situation, you can harness that and come back to safety. And I think that it is one of the most important exercises you can do. People don't want to do it. It's boring. I get it. I don't actually think it's like that interesting at all, but I practice, um, different types of mindfulness, one being a mindfulness of my breath. Um, because I know I'm spending most of my time in my head and I want to spend most of my time in reality. So when I focus on my breath, I come back to reality and it has a ripple effect in your life. The more you focus on your breath, let's say you do a two minute mindfulness meditation where you focus on your breath. Um, you will actually start to become more present in your day-to-day -day life. You spend less time in the thinking mind and more time in your real life. That's in a way adding time to your life, right? Helping you have a more full, rich life. So there's so many things that make a lot more sense when you understand like why, why this is beneficial. You know, like most people, like they need to know like, okay, but why am I doing this? Besides like, it looks cute in a yoga picture. Like, no, 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 no. Like, you, you know, you don't have to be that person. I am not that person. <laughs> at all you know this is like why we do it. there's science behind it yeah. um and it's fascinating i've been in 
I've been in the meditation space for about 15 years now. Nobody has ever said it like that. I don't think that breath is the most boring thing. So if you can do it, you can do anything. But it's it's true. I like that a lot. I don't remember that. <laughs> That's going to stick with me. But it's me true. Too. I think, yeah, I it think it's true. And I think what's also interesting is like our autonomic nervous system, like it happens on autopilot, right? Like our heart, like we're not, you and I aren't telling ourselves to breathe or our heart to beat, but like it's happening and it keeps us alive. The only thing we can control in the autonomic nervous system is our breath. So when we slow our breathing down and breathe into the diaphragm, because um, the resting state is into the diaphragm, not up in the chest, it tricks the autonomic nervous system into going into a resting state. So if you can anchor into the breath deeply when you're feeling anxious or you're feeling pain, you can actually trick your body. You can trick your nervous system um, through what we call a bottom-up approach by basically sending feelings of safety to the body through your breath. And it's a really powerful thing, but it's difficult to anchor to that if you don't have practice. This is why I'm telling my clients, like practice when it's easy in the morning, like it feels hard, but trust me, it is easier then than during a panic attack or yeah. during a flare, you know what I mean? And then you become really good at this and you'll use this and it's going to be your superpower. Um, but you have to practice, practice, practice. You don't wait till you have an anxiety attack to practice a technique. It just doesn't work. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, no, that that's a hundred percent true because, you know, everything that to go, kind of go back a little bit what we talked about earlier, the the brain's always looking for that direction from us. So, we're we if if we're in a state of like a normal human state, we probably are not um, super aware of our anxious thoughts, super aware of our depressing thoughts. We're we're not totally in control of what's going on in the background. And so that stuff just is always running crazy. So to think that you can wait until you get into a, a moment of panic, and then I'm going to start doing the mindfulness stuff, it's not going to work. But since the body is always looking to you, and it's always looking for that direction, if you do make it a habit of practicing this, it picks up on it pretty quickly. You know, within a week or two, like you, you, you should start to see some differences. And within a month or so, you're going to notice like a, a very big difference if you do this consistently, mm-hmm. because it, it like you said, it can seem overwhelming, like, well, I'm screwed. Like my, my brain's full of negative thoughts. Like that's just, that's just me. It's like, well, that's not you. That's the habit that you have. But if you intentionally decide to do something different, the unconscious will be watching you and it's not going to be an overnight process, but it will take that direction from you. And then to go back with the NLP to getting into that theta state or even an alpha state, I think, you know, just basically just bringing yourself down to a point where you're there's less of the conscious mind working against you mm-hmm. and you're more in direct communication with the unconscious anything that you direct towards it in that state is going to be a lot more effective so if you're in a deep mm-hmm. state of meditation if you just woke up if you're about to go to sleep and like that's what's on your brain is i'm healing here's some examples of how i'm healing to, to support that with evidence here's some really clear pictures of um you know what i want things to look like this is the direction we're moving in the unconscious can pick up on that pretty easily because you're 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 in that lowered state, and the the breath work is is one of my favorites to get there. I don't use it as much anymore, just because I've had different goals as of late. But that was for probably five or six years. First five or six years I meditated, it was almost all breath work. It's very powerful. Mm. You know? Yeah, for sure, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Faith. I had a great time. Um, definitely an expert. Where can people find you if they are struggling with this? 
Yeah. Um, so they can find me at that healing feeling if they want to follow me on social. Um, my website is faithashenden.com. I'll send it to you. It's just my name. Um, and I do offer like quarterly, once a quarter, I offer a program, a hybrid program. Um, so if anyone's interested, interested in that, let me know. We work through all of this stuff um, in relation to chronic symptoms. Um, but yeah, it's loads of fun. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I'll put your username and everything in the description. I found you on TikTok. I'm still following you and I like your content a lot. I think you do a fantastic job. Thanks. Well, actually, I think like when you messaged me, I already followed you because I had already seen you, which is really? it's like, it's happened a few times to me as well. Like I had a couple people reach out and I was like, I've been following you for like six months. Like TikTok actually does a good job of like <laughs> showing for me. It's very curated. Like I don't have a lot of like guys, the world is ending. I have like so I have this awesome meditation or like, did you know this fun fact about the nervous system? So like, it knows <laughs> like, this, like boundary of information. Um, so yeah, I had been following you as well. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the, yeah. I've, I've met a lot of interesting people on there. It definitely, it, it brings it, the algorithms kind of creepy some ways, but uh yeah I think something and it's like ooh, and I'm like okay I didn't say that out loud so either I'm really predictable or something weird yeah no it's definitely it's weird but um I one do thing, love it I've met so many amazing people for sure one thing I noticed is that you don't actually have to interact with anything you can just mm -hmm. hes hesitate over a video for a second and it will start to show you more of that stuff because I've decided like let's yeah. see how long like I'm going to think of something random I'm going to see how long it takes for it to figure out what I'm looking at if you pause over anything and you're just scrolling and you're not reacting to anything, it'll start to pick up on that. It's very strange, but that's a metaphor for life. I mean, that's what, yeah, like that's how, that's how the brain works too, is that like, if you, whatever you give attention to, like that's going to get nourished, it's going to get fed and that's what it's going to like, oh, this is what they want to see. They're going to bring more of it up. So million percent, literally a million percent. Yeah. It's just sped up. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you again so much for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a good one. <laughs>